Hello. You are listening to Retelling the Bible, a podcast dedicated to helping you hear familiar Bible stories in new ways. I am your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless. The point of this podcast is not to establish the actual historical events that stand behind the biblical stories so much as it is to help us to hear them as the writers intended them to be heard, and as the original hearers would have done so. It is about filling in the story with color, texture, and emotion. In this inaugural season, we are focusing on the Gospel of Luke's account of a journey made by Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Today, We are going to do a little bit of eavesdropping as we listen in on a conversation as they travel together. Episode 6. A Conversation on the Way. As the two expected parents travel down the road, side by side, they have a lot of time to talk. Mary is very young and doesn't know much about the world. All her life, she has lived in the small village of Nazareth. Joseph is also from the same area, but she knows that his family has not been settled there nearly so long as her own. People in small villages like Nazareth have long memories. They do not easily accept new people into their community, not even those who have been there for many generations. It is why the people there still talk about how, a generation ago, Joseph's family arrived as refugees from Judea. The family has never talked much about what had happened to them before they resettled as landless artisans in the small Galilean village. But there is plenty of time to talk now, as Mary and Joseph make their slow progress down the road. Husband, asks Mary, you told those soldiers that we are heading for Bethlehem. Is that the place your family came from? Yes, indeed, Joseph replies, though I have never been there, I cannot wait to see it. All my life, my parents and grandparents have told me of the home that we had there. They described to me the house, the garden, and the field, so often that I can imagine that place down to the last detail, the last blade of grass. I know that I've always lived in Galilee, but I cannot help but feel as if Bethlehem is my true home. You must have had a large and beautiful house there. No, no greater than any family holding in Nazareth, though my father says that the land was good. It always produced an abundant barley crop. 
I suppose that is why they call the town Bethlehem, because it is a good place for growing grain. Yes, but you don't get rich growing barley, do you? Our people certainly never did. I know that some people in Nazareth say that my family comes from the house and lineage of David. Don't deny it. I've heard the people talking around town. The rumor may well be true. But if it is, it hardly means that our ancestors were wealthy. According to the lore of my family, we are not descended from a long line of kings. We come from a more humble branch of the family. My forefathers did not go to sit on thrones in Jerusalem. They were the ones who stayed behind in Bethlehem and continued to live on the land that once belonged to Jesse, David's father, and before him had belonged to Obed, and then to Boaz. Boaz? But doesn't that mean your family farm is the very same place where Ruth the Moabites came to Boaz when he was in his tent and they... Mary blushes and falls silent. Well, that's the story that we tell in my family, Joseph laughs. It's one of the reasons why the land is so special to us. But apart from its place in the history of our people, the land itself was not remarkable. The only land that we ever had in Bethlehem was that same little plot of land that God gave to each Israelite family. We love the place not because it is rich or grand, but simply because it is ours. They won't give it back to you, you know. I know, Joseph sighs. But that doesn't change the fact that it is ours. God gave it to our family. It is God's will that it stay in our family until the day of the Lord may come. Mary walks on in silence for a while. A lovely little valley opens up ahead and to the left of their path. She sees a small homestead in the valley. There's only about an acre of land, but every inch of it seems to be used to grow something. There's a fig tree and two olive trees. In one corner she can see a cluster of vines. The grapes are still green, but she knows that they will ripen soon. In the middle of the field, the peasant struggles to break up the ground with his simple plow so that he can sow some grain. He does not have an animal to pull the plow, and so he must scrape the land himself with the help only of a small boy who is probably his son. Joseph's family's land must have looked something like this. Mary imagines what it would be for her to live with her husband and with her own son in such a place. It would not be an easy life. The work would be hard. The outcomes would never be guaranteed. 
but at least it would be a little bit more secure than living from one carpentry job to the next. She realizes that the quest that they are on is as much a fulfillment of her own dreams as it is of Joseph's. And she understands the longing for a piece of land that he can call his own, that she hears in his voice. She just has to ask. How did your family lose the land? In the usual way, Joseph sighs. They got into debt, and they couldn't get out. We blame the old King Herod, of course. Mary nods. All the people that she knows have their own reasons to remember Herod the Great and his policies with scorn. Joseph continues. He raised taxes to try and keep the emperor happy after he ended up on the losing side of the Civil War. My family was left with nothing at all to live on. They were starving. And so, when a creditor came along and offered a loan, what choice did they have? Of course, he insisted that there had to be a prosbul, and they were in no position to refuse. That meant that the debt could never be forgiven. The interest rate was very high, and they soon fell behind in their payments. With no hope of relief, it was inevitable. They lost the land. It's the same thing that has happened to thousands of Judean families. Mine is no different. But now we are returning there, Mary says with a hint of fear in her voice. What will happen when we arrive? We shall see, says Joseph. We shall see. They have now come up to the entrance to the small homestead that Mary had seen, and at Joseph's suggestion, they turn aside to speak with the farmer. Joseph offers to make some repairs to the man's farm implements in exchange for a meal. The farmer agrees gladly, and Joseph takes out his simple carpentry tools and gets to work. Afterwards, Mary and Joseph join the small family for a simple but wholesome meal. In accordance with the ancient laws of hospitality, the family also offers them a safe place to lay down their belongings on this night. They eat well and sleep in safety for a change. In the morning, they will continue on towards Bethlehem and whatever trouble awaits them there.
Why did Joseph and Mary make that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem? What does Luke intend us to understand when he mentions it? We have already noted in this podcast that the idea that the Romans would have obligated people to go and register in a census in a place where they did not actually live doesn't make all that much sense. It doesn't fit with any known Roman law or practice. So, if we cannot find the explanation in any Roman law, where else can we look? If you are ever reading any New Testament passage and come across something that doesn't make sense and isn't explained, I have learned through long experience, the best place to go looking for that missing explanation is usually in the Old Testament. Again and again, the New Testament writers turn to the ancient Hebrew scriptures to fill in the details of their accounts and to help them figure out what it all meant. So if the way this census is being conducted doesn't make any sense in Roman law, maybe it makes sense according to the Old Testament laws. There is one and only one Old Testament law that requires every Hebrew male to return to the ancestral property of his family. It is the law of Jubilee, which is laid out in Leviticus chapter 25. Every 50th year, a ram's horn was to be sounded throughout the land as a signal that every man must return to his ancestral property. This was the first step in a whole process that included the freeing of slaves, the forgiveness of debts, and, most important of all, the restoration of properties to the families that originally owned them. I spent a great deal of time in my book, Caesar's Census, God's Jubilee, talking about this Jubilee law and its history, and the question of how, if at all, it was really applied. I'm not going to go into all of that here, but I am sure you will not be surprised if I do recommend that you could purchase my book for your own reading pleasure. What I will say is this. The idea of Jubilee and the promise of that law is a major theme in the entire Gospel of Luke. Biblical scholars all agree that this is the case. But no one, to my knowledge, has ever proposed that the Jubilee theme might be a part of Luke's nativity story. I believe that Luke meant for us to understand that the reason why Joseph took a long and dangerous journey down to Bethlehem wasn't because the Romans made him do it. Please note that Luke never says that the Romans made people return to their ancestral homes, only that the people did so. I think we are meant to understand that Joseph went to his family's old land in Bethlehem because he had a dream of recovering that land in the Jubilee. Of course, that was not going to happen. He wasn't going to get the land back. That was so ridiculous as to be laughable. But maybe something else prompted Joseph to observe a jubilee anyways, even if the whole world would never allow it to become a reality. 
That is something that we will continue to explore as we continue to retell the story of that fateful journey in weeks to come. Tune in next time as Joseph and Mary actually arrive in Bethlehem and famously search for a place to stay. Perhaps that search was not exactly about what you have always assumed. I hope you are enjoying retelling the Bible and that you continue to tell your friends about it. One very important way to help other people to find this podcast is to rate it and write a review on iTunes. You can purchase my book in print on Amazon and in ebook form in many online stores. My name is W. Scott McCandless. I am your storyteller. I was helped in this episode by my daughter, Gabrielle. You can reach me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, or you can visit the Facebook page, also named after this podcast. The theme music on this episode is Ah Da by Kevin McLeod. The episode music is Long Road Ahead, also by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at incompetech.com and they are licensed under the Creative Commons. Here is the clickbait title for next week's episode. It took incredible courage just to knock on the door. When it opened, he steeled himself for what he knew he had to say.